feed in a partnership with my father. Leaders who aren't currently leading, who are going to sit down in groups in future days and develop this mission around the hope of the kingdom of Jesus because Jesus is building his church. And it's an extraordinary place to come and to share life. And so, if you will, I just want to share some things he says about his church. A lot of it is just scripture. And this question forms, and it could come up on the screen. How can we in the church... This is a question, leaders, I'm asking you. This is a question to my father as he prepares to lead. How can we in the church best unleash the people of God in the spirit of God through the word of God solely for the glory of God? If I'm going to wrestle around with this miracle, I want to ask this question. How do we in the church unleash the people of God? That's us. In the heart of God, for the glory of God, through the power of his spirit, I'm not, not, definitely not going to leap off here other than with our college students. I've been reading the book of John and now reading the book of Acts with them as we walk verse by verse and chapter by chapter through this. And I am amazed by the utter need and reliance on the Spirit of God. And that we as a people are not walking in going, have an idea. Where is the people going? The Spirit of God has been speaking to me. The Spirit of God has brought unity in my heart. And most of the time, if not every time, the Spirit of God has ultimately said, here's how we're going to magnify Jesus. Because I'm never asking for more of the Spirit, just to be a little practical and theological right now. All the Spirit does, according to Scripture, it says, take me to Jesus. Create forms and opportunities to make much of Jesus. Glorify Jesus. So how do we in the church unleash the people of God in the spirit of God through the word of God? Because that's the filter for the glory of God. Throughout history, we see this. That God has chosen to call out not just individuals, but a people for the sake of his glory. Scripture says this. He told the Israelites, I will walk among you and I'll be your God and you will be my people. Through Jesus God brought Jews and Gentiles, scripturally says, together as one body in which each member belongs to each other. We belong to one another. I belong with you. That is so powerful. Peter told the church, you're a chosen people. You're a holy nation. You're a royal priesthood. And this is why you belong to each other. And this is why I walk among you. So that the glory of God, through the word of God, through the work of the people, may make manifest the name of Jesus Christ. So that we can make declaration the name of Jesus. Because Jesus is building his church. And it's a place of miracles. And so how do we as a group of people, by the power of God, through the spirit of God, and the word of God, declare the glory of God? How do we do this? His intention, scripturally again, in Colossians says that the manifold wisdom of God would be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. I have preached on this when I went through Colossians, but I am still just disoriented when I consider the fact that the heavenly realms are learning about the living, the living God through us. This idea that Jesus is building his church at times, the heavenly realms, look down and go, oh, Wow. You've got to see this and what's going on among these people. If we're to count for his purposes, it begins with the miracle that we lock arms together, that we are belonging together, that we are one together, and that we are walking as one. And here's coming on your screen now. We are declaring his gospel and declaring his glory, demonstrating that to all people. And oh, by the way, including the authorities in the heavenlies. 
So we're walking about saying, God, how do we do this? And we want to walk about saying the gospel, Jesus at its center, he is pleading for us. He has made us whole. He has brought us together. And God, we plead that gospel to all people. Matthew 4.19 says it this way. If you have asked you to turn there a bit back, there's this beautiful moment when Peter and Andrew are called out, and I particularly like their response to it, but he says to them, and I think this is a three-message thought, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I only want to mess with the first thought today, which is follow me, because first of all, I have a countdown timer, and secondly... I think there's some important things to talk about because it's follow Jesus and then he will do some things internally and externally among us. I will make you, what? Fishers of men, people on mission. So how do we, as a body of believers, how do we answer this question as the church unleashing the people of God through the spirit of God with the word of God for the glory of God? I think that he answers that in Matthew, the fourth chapter, verse 19. Coming up on the screen, there's three thoughts that he has. Follow me. A disciple knows and follows Jesus. I know. I am the king of profound. And I will make you. A disciple, and I'd like to talk about this next week, will be changed or transformed or renewed or completely made whole in the image of Jesus Christ. Fishers of men, a disciple of Jesus will live for the declaration of the glory of God as they walk this earth. So you can begin to wrestle with this, whether you are following Jesus as to these realities and purposes. Am I a person who is intimate in relationship with him? Is he transforming me into the images of Jesus? Maybe you can begin to wrestle with in a myriad of ways by allowing, as James says, the mirror of Scripture to show you the core of who you are. Or maybe you could begin to say things like, Lord, does love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness more define me? Or maybe you could be able to wrestle with things like this. A lot of this world is filled with not love, unlove, the despite of love. And Lord, I am becoming more loving, more hope-filled, more faithful, more faith-filled. This is what's happening. You're You're changing my life, Lord. And then we just begin to then say, oh no, God, I've raised my sword. I am up on this wall and I cannot come down. It's you have made me fishers of men. And thus becomes the question, how do we, by the Spirit of God, through the Word of God, in the power of God, through Jesus Christ himself, declare the glory of God? By being followers of Jesus. And allowing him to make us into his image. And climbing up on a wall and not coming down. I I just look at this movement and I've been to ask this question, a follower of Jesus. So coming back to this, follow me, a disciple of Christ knows and follows Jesus. So can I just talk to us as a church for a few minutes and then begin to put a bow on this. A disciple of Jesus says, I'm going to follow you. The church was birthed by a group of people who gathered in an upstairs room, about 120 strong, and they began to pursue Christ. Jesus said, I want you to get together and I'm not, I'm not asking you to get super innovative. 
I'm not asking, in fact, I'm just, again, I'm reading in the book of Acts and there's this, there's this sorcerer named Simon who does the, in fact, he does what most of us do in church life. Let me come up with extraordinary creativity. Let me come up with extraordinary things and draw people in. And all the while, disciples are building their church and Simon, the sorcerer, is throwing all these things at him. The disciples are just coming in saying, it's prayer and the word of God. It's prayer and the Word of God. It's the Spirit of God stepping into the prayer and the Word of God. That's the power. And I think that often, we're, I was reading this and I thought to myself, I had no conviction for you, I was utterly convicted. I often think that if I'm a better teacher, better leader, better strategist, put something better on the stage, better in your class, then somehow God's going to... And he's going, look, look, this is not about you. It is the Word of God, and that is the work of God, and it is the power of God. And so if you would try following the New Testament church, who tried following me, you might see something more pervasive than what you're experiencing. So when 120 started this movement, they started by going upstairs and pouring their hearts out. I wrote one of our worship leaders this week, and I just wrote him, and I said, one of the greatest thrills of my life was to walk into the early service and to find the praise team. I would walk in the back door, I would crack open the back door, and most of the time, there would be instruments playing. But then it became a very different picture. I would crack open the back door and think, oh my gosh, nobody's here. And then I would walk through a side door right over here and walk in and they were on their faces across this front just crying out to God going, it's not our rehearsal. It is not what we bring. It is Jesus. If we will bring our hearts and pour out the overflow, we will have brought Jesus. That's how the church was birthed. Hey, hey, Bible study leaders, what are you bringing to your group? Hey, followers of Jesus in this room who are walking into work environments, are you on your face before God as a follower of Jesus crying out? And I'm not talking about some generic thing. I'm talking about faces and names where you're saying, Oh God, if you would draw them to yourself and if you would so, so humbly choose to use me, I'm in. But I don't care if you use me. God, just draw them to you. For I am being shaped by the Word of God, through the Spirit of God, for the work of God. And I am just telling you, God, I don't have what it takes. But Holy Spirit, use me. Use whatever means. Just draw them to yourself. The church in this movement will flood not as we come up with a better plan or we hire another pastor, even if he is free. It will come when the people of God are on their faces before the living God. When we walk in this room at times, and it's not the worship band that's on their faces, it's the people of God that are filling this altar before service, not after. Saying, Jesus, whoever you bring in, we're invoking the presence and the power and the spirit of God. And I, I love it. I love it. And if a slew of Haitians walk in, we'll probably understand each other. If our Latin American church joins with us, it could get crazy because we'll know they're speaking language. Whatever, whatever. I just think I just said Spanglish. <laughs> we'll know there are French Creoles happening and Spanish is happening. But ultimately what will be happening is Jesus. English going on, all of us looking at each other going, how is this happening? It would be the beginning of the church. It would be beautiful. I want to read to you Isaiah 62, verses 6 and 7. If we're looking for a rubric for how this is to happen, here you go. 
In Isaiah 62, Isaiah is just making this proclamation to the church and he is saying, look, I I am warning you to experience the presence of God. His words could construct a fellowship framework for us. And and you're going to like this because it's kind of sticky. It's not really sticky. It's kind of gooey. You're going to have to wrap your heart around it. But Isaiah says, Jerusalem, Mandarin, I have appointed watchmen on your walls. They will never be silent. They're not going to be silent day or night. I am calling some people to call on the name of the Lord. And they won't be silent. There is no rest for you who remind the Lord. And verse 7 becomes a beautiful verse in context of this message. Do not give him rest. And he'll, until he establishes and makes Jerusalem the praise of the earth. Until, to go with the New Testament, he establishes and makes the name of Jesus Christ the glory in all the earth. I particularly go to the first sentence of verse 7, and I ask this to the body of believers who make up Mandarin. If you're a guest today, you're off the hook only for Mandarin. If you're a guest and a follower of Jesus, you are not off the hook for the kingdom of Christ. So if you're passing through today and you have a home church, I'm asking you, is your life one that can be described in this manner? We will not give you rest, Lord. I don't know why I point up, because he's everywhere. God, we, let's listen, we will bombard heaven until you fall among us. We will follow you and pursue you. I mean, listen, can you imagine what would happen in the body of believers that make up Mandarin? Should we be a people who are watchmen on the wall? We are, we are never tiring, but here's a better statement. We are relentlessly doing our best to wear out the living God, which cannot be done, by the way. But we are going to do our best to not give him rest as we cry out for his work in this church. A follower of Jesus, a disciple, is an intimate follower of Jesus. And I know as I preach this that the preponderance of us in this room do not live in this manner. And so the one thing, there's two things we could do. We could live through this, go eat chili and forget about it. There's three things we could do. We could feel guilty for a few moments and then get over it. We could feel guilty for a long time and not get over it. Or we could turn to God as Ryan led us into a moment of confession and we could immediately turn and say, from this moment forward, and in fact, I'm done listening to Pastor Mark, I'm just talking to Jesus now, from this moment forward, you're not going to find rest around me. Anybody in? I mean, we want your kingdom to come on this earth as it is in heaven. And so God, we're, we're telling me that I have posted an appointment, listen, it's an appointment I have appointed watchmen on your walls that they will never be silent day or night. There's no rest who remind the Lord. Do not give him rest. I like challenges like that. I want to be a part of a people. I wrote this and I'll end it. I have more, but just this is a good for today. I love the phrase, do not give him rest. Have you caught that? I want to be a part of a body of believers who walk so closely with God, who follow him, that our God does not rest because we are praying and seeking him. That's, that's a disciple. And I think that miracles come behind that. I want to be a part of a people and share life with people who are calling on him day and night. 
and saying, God, we, we refuse to leave you alone until there is a hunger in our midst for the word of God. Until there is a yearning for the spirit of God. Until there is a power in this church that is beyond ourselves. Just go back to the book of Nehemiah where the nations will tremble because the church of Jesus, the nations will lose confidence. The lost will no longer stand confidently because we have so provoked them through the power and the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we're just walking in that intimacy. God, I want to see the lame walking. I want to see the blind see. I want to be a part of a stand-up moment where 3,000 people come to Christ in one setting. And the scripture says it this way. And it's not just this one time in the second chapter of Acts. It's over and over and over as they came with the word of God that people were cut to the heart. I want to be with 3,000 at one time or I'll take three. One, where we are cut to the heart because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is of first importance among us. I'm I'm praying for 3,000 before I go to heaven. The Lord would be adding daily those who are being saved. The lame walking, the blind seeing, thousands coming to Christ at great cost. I love, there was one particular moment when they were talking, it was right before they were in prison, and they said they were just speaking so boldly, the number had grown to 5,000. And this, this is what boggles my mind. This early church grew, and they reached every um, people group. In, their, in one generation, they reached every people group. They did not have the World Wide Web. They did not have airplanes. They did not have a lot, but here's what they had. They had the Spirit of God through the Word of God for the people of God. It was in the power of God, and the church moved with God, and they did not give Him rest. I mean, that's that's mind-boggling to me. As best they understood it, in one generation, they reached the world for the sake of the gospel. So I wonder this, I wonder this. And I ask, and where I begin, What what would happen? How can we, in the church... Best unleash the people of God in the spirit of God through the word of God for the declaration of the glory of God. And I believe it begins here and we'll pick back up next week, but it begins here. We will not. Listen, listen, let me finish it. Don't check out. We will not give you rest. Here's why. Because we don't have a clue. That is free to walk in the power of the Spirit of God. We will not give you rest because we can't build a wall in 52 days. We can't foster a movement in one generation. But you, God, you, God, so we're coming after you, Lord. I genuinely don't have any idea how to end this service, Lord, so I just end it with what I just preached. I pray that, God, we would sing some songs and you would cut us to the heart.